0: is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hello, everybody. My name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead, podcast number 305, recorded Monday, February the 13th, 2017. Oh, Jason! It's exciting to be back. The Walking Dead is back on the air, and I am pumped. I am, I am reinvigorated. Getting back Re-in- into this,
1: it's very exciting. I was very happy last night when
0: uh, I remembered that the show was coming back on tonight. I'm like, it's tonight! It's tonight! It's tonight! Yeah, it was very, very fun. And you made it in time. It wasn't like 9:05 when you suddenly remembered.
1: No, it was. Uh, While well, it was uh, early evening, so. Four o'clock, because <laughs> I'm getting old now, and that's early evening to me. <laughs> you're, you're getting ready to have dinner at 4.20, yeah. and... <laughs> yeah, I have dinner, and then uh, and then get ready for bed. All right. But well, then remember, oh yeah, the show's coming on, uh, it's tonight, is tonight, is tonight, tonight, and then I'm both excited, and uh, I have to stay up late.
0: Yeah, well... Ten o'clock. Uh, All the way to 10 o'clock. That's amazing. Well, it's good. Uh, And we are here to talk about it, of course. It's season season seven, episode nine. A couple things first, though, um, because we are back into the season of the walking dead we might have a few new listeners find us or people who are coming back so welcome back if you didn't listen over the break uh if you are new and you're wondering what we do here you can find all of our episodes at talking and uh you know we just uh re- we recap the show on monday evenings and we do listener feedback on thursday evenings so uh if you're new i hope you enjoy it and i hope you stick around Um, one of the few other things I want to mention is I haven't mentioned it in a long time, but we have a, well, I manage a Talking Dead music playlist on Spotify. So if you're, if you're a music fan and you hear a song on the show, which you'll probably hear one later on in this episode and you like it, you can go to our website to find out what it is, but I also post them all to the playlist on Spotify. So search for the Talking Dead on Spotify. I think that will find, that'll help you find it or my username is fearhurst on there so i think you can search for me too and find it um i just figured i'd remind people cuz i haven't mentioned that in a long time and and i listen to it myself all the time because i just like all the music i play well of course <laughs> right <laughs> i happen to like the music that i like that's that's exactly it uh okay one other thing, well, a couple other things. Record your favorite scene contest. This is mm. still going on, of course. It is going on for, um, you know, all of season seven. And the idea is that you pick a scene from any episode of The Walking Dead and record it and then send it to us. And at the end of the season, Jason and I will listen to them all and choose our favorite. Well, we'll have listened to them all by by then, many times probably. Yeah, But at the end of the season, we'll, we'll choose our favorite. And there is a nice big prize box of stuff that you can win if you are the lucky person. And is it we're... a box or I thought it was a sack. Wasn't it a prize sack? No, it's a box. It's but, a box. You okay. know what? If you want to move it into a sack, we could, we could look at doing that. But I'm about to add something to the box sack.
1: That doesn't sound right.
0: Okay, I'm about to add something to the prize (laughs) box. (laughs) Um, Now, this is... Sometimes we get listeners who want to throw something into into the box. And this comes from a listener. This comes from Anwen in New Zealand, a regular listener. She has sent in a copy of a movie called I Survived a Zombie Holocaust. This is a New Zealand film... And apparently she and her husband did a little work on this film. So this is uh, something that, you know, is, um, uh, well, something that's close to her, probably. And here's the description from the back of the DVD. The crew of the New Zealand low-budget zombie film Tonight They Come are filming in the middle of nowhere. The troubled shoot goes from bad to worst when the key cast and crew are struck uh, down by a mystery illness. And you know what? It says stuck down. I don't know if they mean stuck down or struck down.
1: <laughs> it might be a New Zealand thing.
0: <laughs> Could be. So I survived a zombie, uh, Holocaust is going to be in that prize pack. It's a DVD awesome. copy of the movie. So well, that now is I want to win the prize very pack. Very cool. Well, Anwin was nice enough to send us two copies, Jason. So. <sighs> okay, good. One for us, one for the prize box. Well, I'll hurry up and watch it and then mail it to me and then I will watch it. I will do that. Uh, so thank you, um, for that. Now I'm going to play an entry in our in uh, in the in the contest. This comes from Steve in Upminster, Upminster, Essex, United Kingdom. Now I don't know what kind of lying assholes you've been dealing with, but I'm a man of my word. First impressions are important. I need you to know me. So back to it buddy you still there it sounds like you're trying to speak but you just took a hell of a hit i just popped your skull so hard your eyeball just popped out and it is gross as shit chris jason i will find you
1: oh no (laughs)
0: well there you go thank you steve that is negan in the uh, infamous glenn killing scene oh that just brought it all back it really did um and i gotta say the uh sort of glenn struggling sound effects there those were uh those were intense Uh, and a little bit stomach churning (laughs) yeah that's what i mean by it brought it all back i thought i was having flashbacks there it was uh It's quite intense. Oh, God. But thank you for sending that in. If you want to send in an entry, uh, pick a scene, record it, and uh, fire it off to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. And, uh, you know, we'll listen to them all and pick our favorite at the end of the season. Cool. All right. One more thing, Jason. We recently guested on another podcast. Mm, We did. It was fun. We had a very good time. It's called Pop, a pop culture podcast. And it was the first episode of this new show. It's run by a listener of ours named Ken Mills. He goes by The Pod Father, and he does some other shows uh, involving Kiss and some other uh, classic rock bands. So check those out too. But if you can't get enough of us, or you just want to hear us talk about uh, The Walking Dead a little bit more, uh, you can find it at poppodcast.blogspot.com. And we also talk about just sort of TV in general, so our favorite movies, music, stuff like that. So,
1: speaking of which, I have a I have an answer that uh, I didn't wasn't able to give on that actual episode. Okay. The answer the uh, the third movie is uh, Doctor Strangelove. I was uh, naming my favorite movies and uh, I panicked and uh, couldn't name a third one, and uh, it's been bothering me ever since. And Doctor Strangelove is like one of my favorite movies of all time.
0: Okay, that's great. So there's a little addendum to uh, Yeah, I just I felt I needed to add that. All right. That's very good. So now that you have that, you definitely have to go back and listen to pop number one and uh, hear what else Jason put on his list of favorite movies. Mm -hmm. So like I said, poppodcast.blogspot.com. You can also go to our Facebook page and find it there because I posted it there when it came out and we had a really fun time. So, you know, huge thanks to Ken for inviting us on. It was great. And uh, I hope you'll go check it out. All right, Jason, now we're going to get into the meat of this podcast sandwich, and we are mm-hmm. here to talk about Season 7, Episode 9. Rock in the road. Rock in the road. Rock in the road. Greetings, loyal subjects and fellow listeners, fine gentlemen and
1: fair maiden alike. I beseech thee to enjoy this broadcast. With the fine fellows from the Talking Dead podcast
0: where the Honorable Chris and Jason will discuss the episode of the television show, The Walking Dead, entitled Rock in the Road. Huzzah! A fond adieu as I bid thee farewell. Thank you to jean Sebastian and Levy quebec John in Deal, Kent, UK, Sam in Decatur, Georgia, and King Ezekiel of the Kingdom nice. Do we not have the greatest listeners in the world? We absolutely do. That was a lot of fun. That was absolutely amazing. Thank you to everyone for doing a title read. If you just can't get enough of recording yourself and you want to hear yourself doing a title read, then again, just record it into your phone or, or whatever you do and then fire it our way. And I love getting the titles read by our listeners of the episode. Yeah, lot of A lot of fun. Super great. All right, Jason, let's start And get going here. Um, Cold open of this episode. It picks up right where we left off after the post credits scene from episode eight back Mm -hmm. in December. And we see Father Gabe. He's up on the wall at night. He's on watch. He starts looking through his notebook and uh, seems to kind of lose focus on what he's doing, I thought, and uh, decides to leave his post and just go strolling through the town, which at first I thought was a. Strange thing to do. Horrible thing to do. Well, it really is, because, I mean, what happens next is we see him enter the house where the pantry is, and as he walks into the pantry, we hear a big crash, and then we cut to the next scene where he's frantically packing up all the food into containers, he starts packing up knives and tools, he drops his Bible on the ground, and after loading everything into a car, he leaves Alexandria under the cover of night.
1: Just sneaks off into the dark.
0: He does. Now, there's a few things about this scene that I want to talk about. The most important one being um, something I noticed on the second time I watched it. Okay. And that is that as he's driving away, a head pops up in the passenger seat of the car. A head pops up in the passenger seat? I did
1: not catch that.
0: Yeah, I didn't either the first time. Maybe it was a little dark, but as he's driving away down the road, I just thought there was no one else in the car. I didn't know what he was doing. However, oh, do you see it on the tape there? I do see it. See? <gasps> what is that? That's the guy with the shoelaces. So that's the person, you have to assume, that's the person who was in the forest looking at them through binoculars with the big boots on. So Father Gabriel was was acting under duress here. He was not doing this of his own accord. He was being forced to steal food, steal weapons, and drive away at night. You have to think.
1: Why would I have to think that?
0: Well... Okay, why—at the very least, someone convinced him that this was a good idea.
1: Well, I don't know. Maybe he's just doing this because he wants to do it, and then somebody snuck into his car. I mean, horror movies start like that all the time.
0: Well, I don't think that's the case. I think what happened is he decided to leave his post for whatever reason, and this person in the forest took that opportunity to— um you know uh somehow entice him into or threaten him into stealing this stuff and driving away with it and i think that happened at the point we hear that crash as he walks into the pantry because that crash seemed out of place to me like he like he walked in there and the first time i watched it before i noticed the head my thought was oh he it's dark he tripped over something knocked some stuff over and that's it but then I thought that was a little weird. So then I watched a second time, realized that someone was in the car, and I think he got he got sort of mugged, kind of, in the pantry, or he got you know punched, fell down, and caused a cr- crash. And that's when this person told him, you know, you got to take all this stuff. We're we're getting out of here with it.
1: I see where you're coming from, but I'm not sure that I'm on board. I don't think the same information leads me to that same conclusion. I. You think Gabe okay. was acting
0: independently here?
1: I think Gabe was acting independently. I'm not, I'm you know, I'm being the bedeviled advocate here. And I know that's not the phrase. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> just say are you being the bedazzled advocate? I'm uh, the bedazzled advocate. All right. So uh okay, yes, there was a crash, but it could just be, you know, I've walked into uh stuff before in the dark and knocked things off of shelves. Well, of course. I I stepped in a laundry basket last night, (laughs) walking into a room. It was dark. I was holding my son, walking around, trying to get him to fall asleep. And I just stepped right into a laundry basket and it made a big sound. It woke my wife up. It woke uh, my son up. I was already awake at the time, so it didn't wake me up. But, uh, you know, it happens. So, you know, maybe he walked in and just made a crash and, you know, a couple of cans fell on the floor. He's like, oh, I got to clean that up while I'm stealing them. So, okay. okay, so that's perfectly accepted. Uh, you know, I didn't see the head in the car, so that's what I thought happened, and I'm just going to go with that for now. Okay, and well— And then he steals all the food and the weapons and the, and, the, and the tools, and then he gets in the car and he starts driving away, and then a head pops up. Okay, so that is surprising. And uh, why, if he was being uh, coerced or threatened in any way, why would he keep his head down until the- until Father Gabriel started driving away?
0: Um, it's, it's, uh, more dramatic that way, but I, I, I get it. Um, as the camera pans across the car when he's loading the trunk, oh, you know what? He was loading the trunk right outside the pantry garage. I don't, or no, maybe it pans across when he's, when he's closing the gate. Check the tape there if you can, because you do see the passenger seat and I don't believe there's anybody in it. So, you know, your theory about someone sneaking in at the last second Um, is possible, but I just don't see what motivation Gabriel would have to suddenly, in the middle of the night, steal the food, the tools, the weapons, and drive off into the moonlight. Like, I can't think of a reason for him doing this.
1: Other than the fact that he did this before?
0: Well, other than the fact that, yes, he wasn't a very nice guy before, and... uh... He kept all the food, he locked out all his parishioners, uh, he... Was very selfish and let everybody else die. But apparently he's redeemed himself. Like he even said that he, when he was talking to, who was it, Spencer? And then he walked back, remember, in the last last couple episodes ago, he called him a, what, a monumental shit or something like that. Like Father Gabriel is on board now, as far as we know.
1: Yes, and I was wondering about his motivations for this when I first saw it, not seeing the head in the car until just now. And my thought on his motivations was he was packing all this shit together in order to be the wild card that went out and killed Negan. Maybe he's on a some kind of uh, vendetta to go and uh, take care of Negan himself and
0: save everybody else in Alexandria. Okay, so you think he was going to take this as an offering to the saviors and, and be the inside man. Say, I defected from Alexandria. I brought what I could. I want to be with you.
1: No, I think he was stealing the stuff in order for him to survive, in order to be able to sneak around until he could get a bead on, uh, on Negan. All I right. I don't think it's a very good plan. All right. But the thing is that- Because that... why would Negan take in all this stuff? He's like, well, if you're defecting, why, why do I want that? I don't want that. You go back there and get me more stuff. No, right? that's true. Just go take that, take that stuff back and get me some more stuff. I
0: don't need this stuff. I need the whole community to get me stuff. Right. You're being a shit. Get back there. Okay. That's, that's all fine. I mean, these are good theories, but the fact that I think that the person, there's a person in that car with him invalidates all of that in my mind. And there's no way that Gabe was acting independently. He was being coerced by this mystery person in the forest. And to me, that's the end of the story. That's, that's just, that's what happened.
1: Okay. I take all of the same facts that you saw and come to, well, I don't come to a conclusion. I don't know what's going on yet, uh, but I don't think it necessarily means that he's being coerced or threatened or
0: cajoled or convinced or mind-controlled or, you know, puppeted in any way. yeah. Okay. um, Well, we'll have to wait and find out. I don't know. We might not see them again for a little while. Who knows? That'd be stupid. That would be stupid. I do want to know what's going on there. So that's the cold open. <laughs> that's it. We go through the opening credits, of course. Uh, our gang is at the hilltop. They're trying to convince Gregory to help them fight the saviors. And, you know, he basically refuses to help and insists that they don't know each other. Um, it, you know, I found Gregory just absolutely skin crawling in this scene. The guy is just such a dick. He's the biggest dick in the world, the the hugest dick in the world. And his the way he delivered the line rhetorical <laughs> it kind of just drove me crazy. I must admit, I don't know what you thought about that, but it just felt so silly. it
1: was kind of silly. And he's just he, I don't know. he does he he's a useless talking head because not only is he being a a huge dick and denying everything, but he obviously doesn't have the respect of his own people and doesn't speak for them because of the next scene. So he's a completely, why even bother talking to this guy? Like he's, he's, I've known people like this in my life and you just, when you're talking to them, you pretend they don't say anything because anything they say doesn't matter. And we'll just mess you up. So just ignore everything they say. They're like the, the
0: adults in a, a Peanuts cartoon.
1: Wa wah, 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 wah.
0: Just ignore everything
1: that comes out of his mouth.
0: Yeah, that's pretty much what you have to do. I felt like the scene, the conversation went on a little long for that conclusion, but um, I did kind of think it was sort of funny at the end when he said, I want to thank you all for not being here today. And thank you all for not having this meeting. <laughs> I would, l- I'm going to use that tomorrow. <laughs> it's right. <laughs> I'm going to sit in a meeting tomorrow and uh, I have a long meeting coming up later this week. I yep. might try that.
1: I'm I'm not having a meeting tomorrow that I'll say this to <laughs> the
0: people that aren't there. Well, yeah, it, that should be hilarious. But the scene you're referring to, the next one is as the gang leaves, Enid comes in and asks them all to come outside and she apparently has convinced or at least urged a bunch of the Hilltop people to join the fight and they've agreed to do that. So, um, uh, that's, that's pretty good. I, I thought this scene was a little bit, um, a little bit off just the way, you know, the, the one character comes up and is like, I don't know if you remember me, but, uh, do you really think we can win? Yeah. Okay. Then we're on board. Hooray. I mean, you've
1: been living here for what, a week or so and, you know, do you remember me? I saw you like 14 minutes ago, just as you were walking in, we high-fived. Yeah. Do you remember me?
0: Yeah. So That was a little bit awkward. It was a little bit awkward. It felt like it was the show just trying to make sure, because she said her name, and it was the show trying to make sure we remembered who this character was, right? Even though I had no idea, really, to be honest. Um, what well, that's I, why they did it, right? Because well, they needed to introduce her to us. Of course. What I did like about it, though, is how it positioned Maggie as the leader. Did you notice it was Maggie standing at the front of the group on the stairs, talking directly to her? She was up front. You know, I I did like that. It's establishing Maggie's position at the hilltop because I just don't think Gregory is going to be around all that much longer. No. And talking to
1: Gregory was a complete and utter waste of time.
0: It was. It was. So Maggie is is the boss here. And I guess they have the support of a few terribly ill-prepared hilltop people (laughs) on their side. Maggie
1: runs hilltop now.
0: She does. Yeah, she does. But I'm just saying that these people are not going to be all that much help because, well, they don't seem to really know what they're doing. But I guess if they have time to train them up, it could be, could they could be an asset.
1: Well, they have a they have a smithy, so they're they can make melee weapons, right?
0: Yeah, that's right. I suppose so, if they can make weapons to provide, you know, for the effort, that would be good. So
1: they got the melee weapons, and uh, later on we'll get some ranged weapons. I think we're gonna have ourselves a uh, a full on
0: medieval battle going. That'll be awesome, man. That'll be awesome. Against machine guns. <laughs> Wait a minute. They're not machine guns. We've had this conversation, remember? Well, yeah, they're not machine guns.
1: They're But still. Yeah. Multiple bullets flying simultaneously towards guys with halibirds and bows and arrows. Yeah.
0: That should good be luck. good. <laughs> all right. So as they leave the hilltop, um, they're talking about not having enough people and so on. Daryl suggests that maybe they just need to find the right stuff and they can blow them all up. You know, that's Daryl, just... Take the easy way out. Yeah, oh, let's go find up. some dynamite. Like that's just lying around. Yeah, of course. Who's who's ever going to find dynamite anywhere? Just uh, Arst. Remember
1: when they, uh, in Lost and yeah. uh,
0: Arst had to, yeah. We all talked right. about him recently, I think. Awesome. Um, Jesus says that it's time to go introduce everybody to King Ezekiel. We knew that was coming. And he also shows them that he has a long range walkie-talkie that he stole from the saviors. So now they can listen in on their plans. Mm-hmm. That's quite the advantage right there.
1: Well, John McClane did it in uh, Die Hard, so why wouldn't Jesus do it?
0: Yeah, well, uh, exactly. If, if, if The one thing you need is some insight into your enemy's plans. That helps a lot. Yeah,
1: that's right. And as long as you can uh, say
0: over the radio, yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker, <laughs> uh, you're doing good. I could see Daryl, maybe. Daryl doing that. All he seems to do right now is have kind of one-liners here and there, so that seems But it's on TV, so he'd probably say, yippee-ki-yay, Mother Hubbard. I'd rather not have him say nothing. Me too. Uh, After a commercial break, the gang has arrived outside the kingdom. They meet up with Richard and another guy on horseback. Uh, Jesus introduces Rick and they of course request an audience with King Ezekiel. Now, Daryl, again, he steps up and he says, this is all a waste of time. He's not taking them seriously. Um, But the rest of the gang seems to be playing along, right? They, they get lined up and then they're, they're willing they're willing to hand over the two guns that they have and uh i guess they're just willing to go with it for now sure uh they walk towards they're they're walking into th- to the kingdom and richard is talking to jesus and and says they have to start dealing with the real problem which of course is exactly what jesus and everybody is there to do so it's going to be a good day for richard yeah finally that's why we're here dumbass that's right finally someone on your side buddy yeah So inside the kingdom, we get a long panning shot of people doing their thing, lots of crops growing, people training, you know, doing all kinds of like regular everyday stuff, it sort of looks like. And our group realizes that there are obviously a lot of people here that could help. This might be the group that they need. And then Tara notices Morgan, and there's another touching reunion. Hey, Morgan, how you doing? Yeah, good to see Morgan again. Um, before they go inside, Rick, Morgan, and Daryl talk about Carol, and what he tells them is that, well, basically what happened, she got shot, and he saved her, and killed a savior, and then Carol left. But he doesn't actually say she's still nearby, she's just in a house just outside town, he just says she left, she had to go on her own way.
1: That's because uh, he wants other people to respect her privacy, but doesn't himself. Right, he always goes over there and bugs her and tries to talk to her and bring her pomegranates and stuff. But uh, everybody else should just leave her alone.
0: Well, to be fair, we've only seen him do that
1: once. Right. Well, I assume that if they show something on TV once, that it happens like
0: six hundred times. Now. Right. It's like if someone, if one person writes in to complain, you got to assume a hundred people feel the same way.
1: Right. It's just it's like a focus group. Yeah, it's okay. like a, a focus uh, event. That, that, that one event represents a monotony of many events that have all uh, basically happened exactly the same way.
0: Exactly. So, all right. So maybe Morgan is not respecting her desire to be alone, but uh, we'll find out more on that later. Maybe inside the throne room now, everybody comes in to see the king. Jesus introduces Rick again, and Rick steps forward, and he kind of lays out his case for teaming up with... Uh, for teaming up to fight the saviors, essentially. And Michonne steps forward and mentions that several people were killed by the saviors. And this is the first time Morgan has heard that Abe, Glenn, Spencer, and, you know, a couple other people were killed brutally by Negan or Negan's people. Yeah. And uh, it's Rosita who provides that information. So Morgan is... Got to be feeling something here, right? He's he didn't know, and he said he's basically really sorry to hear that, that they're gone. <laughs> um, it's sad. Well, it is sad. It is definitely sad. Now Richard says that you know they have people, they have weapons. He thinks that if they strike first against the saviors, they can beat them. And uh, everyone basically agrees that the time is now to do this. They've got to they've got to get on their horse and attack while the attacking is good. That's right. Right? Um, Ezekiel thinks it over. He asks Morgan what he thinks. And of course, Morgan says that a lot of people are going to die, not just saviors, but our people as well. And I wonder, well, he wonders if they can find another way. Maybe if they just capture Negan, will that work? It could.
1: I mean, a lot of life's problems can be solved with a net gun. It's it's <laughs> odd, but it's true. <laughs> Just subdue someone with a net gun. Yeah, it's a non-lethal way of subduing someone. I mean, they're they're pretty effective. Uh, you know, they're fire once kind of weapons though, right? So you can't like reload a net gun easily.
0: But yeah, a lot of life problems can be solved with a net gun. Right. I think um And I think we've talked about this before, you know, if you were to capture or kill Negan and basically cut off the head of this snake, I think maybe in the long term that would work, but in the short term, you'd probably have an immediate revolt of these, of these saviors, which you'd have to deal with right away. And if you could deal with that, then you'd probably be okay, because after that, they'd sort of lose focus and wander away and go on do their own thing. Don't forget that I disagree with that. You do, eh?
1: Yeah, I do disagree because there would be a power vacuum and there'd be a lot of infighting. You can take advantage of that. Well, you could,
0: but I think that's what I'm saying. I I think immediately, like right away, there'd be um, there'd be a revolt that you'd have to deal with. But then all this infighting would happen and it would it would fall into disarray. And you know, at that point, the saviors wouldn't be any good anymore. Right at at defending themselves. Right. Yeah. Um, but anyways, that's what ne- uh, Morgan wants to do. Uh, but no one else does, of course. They all want to attack, kill them as fast as they can. And now Rick tells this kind of long story that he says his mother used to tell him. And it's the rock in the road story where the episode title comes from. And essentially he says that there's a rock in the road. Every, it's in everybody's way until a girl who loses the the, the beer she's transporting. just <laughs> um, She decides to dig it up and she finds a bag of gold beneath it. Apparently the king put the gold there so that whoever pulled it out would deserve a reward because that person helped everybody.
1: Uh, I, the only thing I got out of that story is what a shithead that king was.
0: Kind of, eh? It's like here's you stuck
1: a-, a rock in the road. It's just like, uh, I thought you were supposed to be leading these people and uh, helping them along the way. Like either A, pave the road, or B, get the hell out of the way and let the people pave the road. Like, why would you stick a thing in
0: the road just to give me, it's just being a trickster. Well, it's a test of his, his subjects, right? He's looking for the most noble people, the people that would, that would go out of their way and do something in their life rather than just try to get by. Yeah.
1: Or, you know, people that would do something, uh, in order to reap the reward of getting the fucking rock out of the road, because it's in the way, obviously, uh, what about the, that being its own reward? You know, well, fix up the kingdom a little bit. You know, make
0: the road nicer. Well, sure. It's just going to benefit you directly. But that's the point. Like that's that's people, whoever digs that rock out or removes that obstacle would be doing it for, you know, good reasons. They'd be doing it for its own reward. But then the bag of gold is a bonus at the bottom. Yeah. My My problem was just that it was way too on the nose for what happens later in this episode because basically that's exactly what happens later on which we'll get to um before that though ezekiel tells them that they can all stay the night and he'll make a decision in the morning about whether to help or not so um another commercial break and we come back and we have benjamin walking through the woods he is one of the uh Um, kingdom people, the younger guy that Morgan's been training, and he encounters Carol, and he says he's training, trying to get better. Carol tells him to go home, and he says that Ezekiel doesn't want to bug Carol, but he needs to know she's okay, so he does check on her. So Ezekiel doesn't really respect her privacy either, but at least he's sneaky about it. That's true. Right? Right. Uh, he offers her some food or water and he says he keeps extra in case he needs to help somebody who needs it. So he's really trying to do the right thing. But, uh, before they part ways, Carol gives him a tip on how to keep quiet. She heard him coming a mile away, she says. Yeah.
1: Ghost walk. Teach the boy how to ghost walk.
0: Is that what that is? Heel toe and keep your knees heel, bent.
1: Well, you, it's not just heel toe, but it's it's heel roll on the side of your foot. And put your foot down. It takes a lot longer to ghost walk, but you put your your heel down and then roll your foot onto the uh, onto the ground and then take take your step. So that it, if you do crush anything, it's very slowly and slow and quiet.
0: Oh my god! I'd twist my ankle so fast doing that. Probably. It it takes a long time, but you can walk down a gravel road without making a sound. Oh, well, that's a good skill to have maybe in the zombie apocalypse.
1: Yeah. Well, I learned, uh, they taught me that in basic training. I when have... you're
0: on patrol, you can ghost walk and nobody
1: will hear you. That's a good term too, ghost walking. I like it. It is. It's good. And we also had to jump up and down. And if we, uh, like we get all dressed up on our kit, like put on our, uh, our backpacks and fill our canteens and, uh, get all ready for a march, in the middle of the night and then they would make each each man jump up and down if you made any sound whatsoever. They put a sandbag on your backpack
0: <laughs> until you can jump silently.
1: Yeah, you get rid of all your change, you fill your canteen all the way up to the top so it does not slosh. Uh-huh. And what you do is you don't drink from your own canteen. You take one guy takes a canteen, open it, everybody takes a drink and you get rid of all the water so that not everybody has a half-filled canteen sloshing around making a bunch of noise. So, it's uh yeah, it's all part of the, the same training was ghost walking and sh- shut up and don't make any sounds and get rid of the change in your pocket.
0: Two things. That's a really good way to spread germs and have your entire platoon get the flu. And, and Whatever. It's the military. They don't give a shit. And, and two. We're all, yeah. <laughs> um, what was the other one? Uh, oh, I'm surprised. There's got to be a movie out there called Ghost Walker. If there it isn't, there, there needs to be. It, it, yeah, Steven Seagal would be perfect. <laughs> See, perfect. Uh, okay, well... Um, that night, back to the episode that night, Ezekiel, Ezekiel is, uh, putting a kid to bed, reading him or reciting something to him. And Benjamin comes into the room and they speak. Now, Ben suggests that they join the fight against the saviors. And he basically says that, you know, they can't win without us, but they're obviously going to do it anyways, whether, you know, we join with them or not. And if somehow they do win, they'll have saved us and we didn't help at all. Right. So he Sounds like a win-win
1: situation to me. It does.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It kind of does. We didn't have to do anything and we were saved. If they win, fantastic. If they lose, well, we didn't help. Right. So we're not, we don't know them basically is is the thing. Thank you for not being at this meeting. (laughs) That's right. But he also says that his dad told him, when someone asks you to be the hero, you be the hero. And I also agree with that, (laughs) if at all possible, right? But anyways, Ezekiel thanks him for his sage counsel and says the king and his father is very proud of him. So that's good. It is good. Next morning, lots of kingdom people are out. They're practicing archery. Um, People are missing limbs, so they're doing the best they can. I don't mean to laugh at that. I'm sorry. It seemed sort of funny at the time. Uh, The gang comes out to Ezekiel But he says that they cannot risk their way of life, so he won't help them fight. See? I didn't see that coming. I was, I assumed, you know, he's going to step up and say, all right, you can have this many men, Richard's in charge of, of my people, work with him to get this done. Right.
1: Maybe that would work if he had, say, a bunch of dynamite lying around, but he doesn't. All he has is some archers and, uh, a tiger? He does have a tiger. <laughs> it's kind of hard to risk a tiger, especially a tiger that used to live in a zoo, right? Like that's right. not a tiger that you want to put, you know, armor on and then have, uh, uh, what's his name? lion ride it into battle.
0: Was it, uh, Thundercats? Yes, it was Thundercats. Was lion his name?
1: lion had a tiger. There was a something 80s cartoony toy Crossover kind of thing where there was a uh, some kind of guy that read, ran, uh, rode a armored covered lion or tiger into battle. Okay, well, that sounds it was like Chitara and Lion and Pen-
0: Panthera. That's a band. Uh, no, it might also be a, a character too. I don't know. It could be. Um, but anyways, Ezekiel, you know, he basically says that we have, you know, tentative peace with the saviors and he has, he feels he has to hold on to that. He cannot risk that. And I, I do think that's a pretty valid argument, right? Like It
1: is. And you wouldn't want to risk it by giving them, uh, diseased pigs.
0: Uh, no, I guess not. <laughs> but they're doing that anyway. Kind of passive aggressive. There's two things I didn't like about this scene though, really. And it's one, it felt. Too staged or choreographed did you look did you notice how all of our characters in rick's group are sort of standing spread out behind rick all in like hero poses and it just felt really planned it's like they wouldn't be all standing there in such a perfect view of the camera you know they're They'd be clumped together. They'd be crowding around. You know, people just don't stand like that. And I felt no, like oh, I stand like that all the time. No, you don't. I felt oh, yeah. like <laughs>
1: spread out and stand. Yeah, it's uh, just because I was in a
0: band for so long, right? So well, what you do, you stand around like a rock band. You just, it's just the way of things. Yeah, it looked like a stupid, like giant rock band standing there for their their dumb publicity photos. Uh, and I didn't like it. It felt, it felt staged to me. Um, they're not in a band. If they were, I might be able to give it a pass, but I just felt, thought it felt like I could just feel the director going, all right, you stand here, you here, you here. Uh, you're all looking this way, you know, hands on your hips. One of you, you know, somebody with your hand on your gun, you know, just look cool. I, I just could feel that. And I didn't like, I, I didn't yeah, like.
1: It, from looking at it now, I see the stand-ins taking the time to make sure the lighting is just perfect. Right. And while everybody else is either, uh, lying under the bus eating a sandwich or in
0: their trailers someplace. Exactly. And then they all come out and they have this choreographed planned out scene. And I was like, come on, just. Who directed this? Do Greg you know? Nicotero. Oh, come on, Greg, you that's, know better than this. That's what I'm saying. He knows better than this.
1: Well, it's, he it wasn't the director of photography. So maybe the, the, the DOP. Uh, had some different ideas, and
0: Greg just was you know, too busy tying his scarf or something. (laughs) It could have been, yeah. Or who knows? Maybe he wasn't there that day. This could have been second unit. I don't know.
1: No, not when the actual principal actors are there. Second unit goes off and films like a car driving down
0: the road that could have anybody in it. Oh, good point, good point. You're probably right. So in that case, Nicotero, get your act together, man. Um, The other thing I didn't like about this scene was the way they used Daryl again. He had one line in the conversation with Gregory at the beginning and he basically has one line here and he says you call yourself a damn king you sure as hell don't act like one I'm like oh it's a bad line (laughs) We, line. we don't need him to say that we need him to say something a little bit more meaningful like give a reason an argument that maybe Ezekiel should change his mind anything other than you sure as hell don't act like one I didn't like it okay so so you should, you know, you should get yourself a job as a script supervisor. And frankly, yeah, maybe I should. But the other thing is, I don't think Daryl's even right. I think this actually is a kind of a kingly act. He's looking out for his people. He's trying to do what's best for his people and not put them in harm's way. Yeah. Right? He's, he's He is acting like a king, a good one.
1: It's a decision I would make. We went over this. It's just like, it's a win-win situation. I don't do nothing. I can't lose.
0: Yeah. So uh, all of that is just, it just, just didn't work very well for me. The one thing Ezekiel does do here is he offers Daryl protection by allowing him to stay there because he says the saviors don't come inside our walls and Daryl will be safe here because they're going to be out looking for him, right? That's a good, it's, that's a nice thing for him to do. It is. And it's a good idea. So, you know, I'm, I'm with Ezekiel here. Stay here, pet the tiger. It'll be fun. It'll be nice. You can have a nice quiet life here, growing carrots and practicing- tigers. Archery and cuddling <laughs> tigers. Yeah. All right. So the group is leaving. Uh, Sasha and Rosita are talking and, um, Sasha comes over and says she's pissed off about Ezekiel. Rosita is not interested in being her friend whatsoever. She says that they just had sex with the same dead guy. We're not friends.
1: Yeah. And that's my experience in life generally. Like if I'm, you know, if I have a a current girlfriend meet an ex-girlfriend, it doesn't go well. Or if I have two ex-girlfriends and they're in the same room, it doesn't go well. Or if I have two girlfriends in the same room... That's even trickier. It
0: goes a little better. It goes a little better (laughs) as long as,
1: yeah, the the secret there is getting both of, I I was dating two girls at the same time. This was after I caught on fire. Do you remember that? Oh, yes, I do. Yes, I do. And I met uh, met two girls and I started sort of dating both of them for a little while. Uh, I was in a band called Space Elevator and they both decided that they wanted to come to a gig. And I was freaking out for weeks and they both came to the same gig and I had to keep crossing the room, talking to one and then talking to the other. And every time I went around and talked to another one, One girlfriend would, you know, start to get a little bit antsy that I was talking to other girls, and so what I did was I got them both at the same table at the same time, and then controlled the conversation to keep it away from any dangerous topics, and they never found out about each other.
0: You are a wizard, my friend. (laughs) You are. I was terrified, and I would
1: never do that again. Nor would I ever date two women at the same time because that was just a huge mistake. I wonder if I was at that
0: show. I had some good times at space elevator gigs.
1: It was uh, it was really early on. It was
0: before Julia joined the band. It was just Scott and I, and I was playing uh, congas oh. a long time ago. All right. Probably not then. Yeah. Uh, anyways, Rosita is not very happy, and she says, we just had sex with the same dead guy, so uh, we're not friends. Yeah. You don't try and make friends with uh, your
1: ex-boyfriend's ex-girlfriend.
0: No, I guess not. And he's also dead, which isn't so nice. Well, dead might actually help, but
1: not in this case.
0: I yeah. Suppose. All right. So they walk past. Then we get Rick, Morgan, and Richard. They're talking about how many people they have and what they have to do. And Richard realizes that they're making the Saviors stronger by giving them all their stuff. Every day that goes by, the Saviors are getting stronger. So we've got to execute something, some kind of plan right away. Mm -hmm. That's what he's saying. Uh, Now everybody leaves except Daryl. He goes to leave, but Rick tells him to stay. And uh, my favorite line of the episode, he basically tells him to keep, (laughs) working on Ezekiel by talking to him or stare him into submission whatever it takes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just give him the old Daryl eyes and maybe he'll change his mind.
1: <laughs> yeah, take take your shirt off, uh wave your Daryl arms around, uh and uh you know just tussle your hair until he submits cuz that's got to happen, right? I just assume. It's got to work too. Yeah, I
0: I just would assume that that would work. Yeah, I think so, but I do think it was funny that in this moment of pretty seriousness and when the gang, Rick would have been maybe a little... Not discouraged, but he just was shot down by Ezekiel, you know, and he's still there to make a joke, stare him into submission.
1: <laughs> See? And that's what uh, uh, Scott Gimple said that this half of the season was going to be. It was going to be a little lighthearted. So we had a little bit of comedy here, right from Rick. Right from Rick. Mr. Non-Comedy
0: most of the time. Yeah. Yeah. So he's, uh, I think he's feeling a little better about life in general. He definitely is. Uh, even though joke. I know telling you, even though it didn't really go his way, he's still there to make jokes. All right, commercial break. We come back and we hear Negan's voice on the walkie-talkie, and he's talking at Fat Joey's funeral, basically giving a little bit of a eulogy for Fat Joey. And our group is driving. They come across a bunch of cars that are strategically blocking the entire highway. And they get out. They can see the Savior's base off in the distance. So they decide to push the cars out of the way and then push them back. Because they don't want to, I guess, alert Negan to their presence by moving the cars out of the way and just leaving them there.
1: Right. Which makes sense.
0: It does, I guess. Uh, But Michonne notices a bunch of dynamite strung up in some kind of trap. And they decide that they need to dismantle it and take all the explosives. Which I'm fine with conceptually because they need weapons. They need explosives. Don't forget earlier on in this episode, Daryl says, maybe we can find a bunch of stuff and just blow them up. Well, yeah. here we have a bunch of stuff that blows up. And some RPG rounds. RPG and rounds. Very handy. Except I don't think they have anything to launch them with anymore. They but... have
1: that RPG. Why not? What happened to the RPG? Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, I guess what would have took, taken them. Yeah. Negan took all the weapons. So they got, they got know, the rounds. Those... You can't just throw those things. No, it doesn't really work. <laughs> I mean, you wouldn't, you'd need a really big slingshot maybe.
1: <laughs> well, no, you have to arm it and just, yes. yeah, it's a whole thing. But yeah, you can't just, I don't even know why it would, would be there. I mean, it might add a little bit to the explosion, but
0: they're, they generally, I don't think it would just go off. Well, w- like would if it? if there was dynamite. If the dynamite exploded, would it not just blow up the RPG and make the explosion bigger? Yes, but I'm not sure how effective that would be. Those things are very shaped,
1: chargy right? They're uh, they're meant to hit uh, an armored target and burn through the metal of the armor right? Okay. in a very specific direction. So without that kind of setup, I'm not sure of how effective... It's not like a, a hand grenade, which is meant to go off in every direction and spew shrapnel, shrapnel all over the place. Yeah. Anyway, but I I don't know from RPGs, really. Uh, I'm just thinking that they're they're very specific weapons for... Uh, a very specific task and uh, leaving them lying around to be secondary explosions for dynamite really isn't an effective way of using them.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, s- saying that, it, it seems like you'd want to maybe put all your dynamite there and keep the RPGs for some other more useful purpose. Right, right. And
1: especially, you know, if Negan now has a, an RPG launcher, why the hell would they just leave an RPG round lying around? Those things got to be worth more than dynamite.
0: Oh yeah, for sure. You'd think he'd want to keep those, you know, for a, <laughs> just for some other purpose.
1: Right. Not it's like throwing bullets into a fire. Not wasting. I mean, sure it. you're going to get a couple of whiz bangs and, you know, possibly get uh, a rock in the face or a bullet in the face, but it's not going to be
0: as effective as shooting them out of a barrel of a gun. Very, very true. So yeah. don't do it. Anyways, um, that wasn't the biggest problem I had with this scene. Do you know what the biggest problem I had with this scene was? Um, No. It was Rosita just all of a sudden being a demolitions expert and kneeling down and taking a battery out and saying everything's okay now, but be careful and start taking all this dynamite out of here. I don't feel like that was set up anywhere else in the show. Am I wrong?
1: She's been hanging around with Abraham and Eugene for a long time. Both those guys would know how to deal with this kind of situation. Okay, And you'd think she would pick up something via osmosis. Uh, or through sexual
0: intercourse at some point. (laughs) I'll give you Eugene, okay? (laughs) Eugene would know how to do this, uh, or at least have an idea enough to do something. Rosita, she's just hanging around with with Eugene long enough that she knows what to do in this scenario safely. I mean, not really safely. Unhook the battery. That's it. That's all she
1: did, right? Unhook the battery, and other than that, be careful. Don't drop dynamite, and don't be stupid like Arst. I
0: guess, but- I don't, I don't, I don't feel like the show gave us anything anywhere else to even hint that Rosita would be the one to do this. So I don't know. But well, what, who else there? Well, yeah, I don't know. The police officer, maybe. No, maybe. you wouldn't know anything about dynamite. No, It'd I be know. Like, call the bomb squad. I, I, I totally get it. But you know in in the realm of possibility, if there's one person who might have something like, some experience like this, because he had a buddy on the bomb squad back in the day, you know, I don't know. I don't. Maybe think they'll that... give her a backstory later where this will all make sense where she was a minor? Or, you're right. Maybe they'll give her a backstory and that's the only thing I can think, you know. she She did something in her previous life that would give her these kind of skills. But then why yeah. don't we know this already? I don't know. It just never came up.
1: Maybe, maybe she uh, she worked in a coal mine in the
0: 1890s. Well, there you, there you go. That's it. That's did, all I know. Did they have dynamite then? Oh, yeah. Okay.
1: That's all they had. Right, 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 right. They didn't have RPG rounds, that's for sure.
0: Uh No, that's true. Well, anyways, so they all fan out. They start carefully collecting all this stuff. They hear Negan... On the, radio, on the uh, radio again saying that they are sending a search party out for Daryl. So now they know that a bunch of Negan's guys are going to show up at Alexandria and they decide they have to get back ahead of them. And in the distance, a large herd of walkers starts coming around the bend. So... Well, that's what this whole setup was for. Right. It was a setup to blow up, I guess, the first few walkers in this giant herd? For some reason, yeah. The, the first, like few
1: walkers would blow up and then what? Pile up so high that the rest of them couldn't get over them? No, maybe
0: light on fire and light a few more on fire.
1: Dynamite doesn't light things on fire.
0: Uh well no but there is a fireball of an explosion. No, there isn't T V and movies, not in
1: real life. Dynamite is a concussion thing. It does not light things on fire. It expands very quickly and puts a, a shockwave out and you know blows shit up
0: and will crush your head no problem. But it does not start fires. Well, you're forgetting one thing. Gasoline? No. Well, maybe. There was (laughs) gas cans there too. There were, but I was going to say this is a TV show and I think you can probably safely assume there might be some sort of fireball. In fact, we saw one as they drove away.
1: For some reason. Yeah, we'll get to that.
0: Okay. Well, um, they decide that they've got to work faster because they can't leave this stuff. And Rick also realizes that they still need to get the cars back into the, into place before they go. So they really don't have a lot of time here. Um, Rosita, Tara, and Carl, they go back to start pushing the cars. The rest are still gathering explosives. Sasha and Jesus, they leave on foot to get back to the hilltop to tell Maggie what's happening. Uh Lots going on here. Um, and as Rick and Michonne are working, they realize that the others who are moving the cars are on the other side of the road. They're going to be cut off by the zombies. So they get in the cars. Now, the two cars are attached together with a length of wire. Steel uh, cable. Steel cable. And this is what the dynamite was hanging off of. So Rick and Michonne get in, they each hotwire their own car and then drive full speed down highway with the cable between the cars, Uh basically decapitating and slicing zombies in half as they go with a giant clothesline effect. Yeah. This was both ridiculous and awesome at the same time. That's exactly what it is. I'm going to read an email here from who, from the internet and who writes, I'm calling bullshit on the zombie clothesline gag. All those corpses cut in half. No, sorry. It was neat. When I shut off the higher functions of my brain and suspended disbelief, but come on. Also, wouldn't there be a shit ton of halvesies crawling at their legs? <laughs> yeah. so There would. Uh, they're just making more zombies. <laughs> in a way, they're just kind of making more zombies.
1: Well, I mean, it's the head, right? The legs don't do stuff by themselves. Uh, no, that's
0: true. Yeah. The okay, legs so they're don't. just
1: making a bunch of crawlers. Instead of a, a walking herd, we've got a bunch of crawling
0: people. A bunch of people. land swimmers, right. So y- yeah, you think this was both amazing and ridiculous all at once? I'm kinda there with you. Well, cause okay,
1: a couple of things that I thought. One was, uh, okay, what do, what do you want first? Do you want the ridiculous or do you want the awesome? Give me give me the ridiculous and then the awesome. Okay, why would they tie the cable to cars? Like why there was like a railing on both sides of the highway. Why wouldn't they tie the uh the cable off on the railings that were, you know,
0: secured posts into the into the ground? Well, I don't know. I had, I, that never even occurred to me. I can think of many other reasons this is ridiculous than that.
1: Okay. So they tied the, they jury rigged these cars to have a cable tied specifically to the car. Yeah. And used cars that were runnable. So that, the they had gas in them. The engines worked, uh, a whole highway full of all these cars. They didn't drain the gas out of these two specific ones. They left the gas in there, tied the cable, secured the cable to the cars, pointed the cars in the right direction, put them in the exact right spot, and made them so that they could drive so that we could get this gag. And I like the word gag, Mm -hmm. and I'm going to stick with it. Um, And it was just... uh, And it reminded me of... uh, What's that video game, Zombie Mall? I keep calling it Zombie Mall. There's like four iterations of it now. You played it once. Yeah. Dead Rising, right? Dead Rising. It reminded me of Dead Rising. Dead Rising, you have to shut off your higher brain functions and accept the fact that uh, you can put chainsaws on a motorcycle and drive around and have it be an awesome anti-zombie weapon. Yes. Like just combining shit together to make awesome things. Uh, And it's fun. It's crazy. You don't need a story. It's just kind of silly zombie slaughter. Hey, isn't it cool? I could stick a big giant Lego head on another zombie and uh, make them wander around, and then then I could beat them to death with uh, a Nerf baseball bat if I really wanted. Yes. So it reminded me of that. This was just a very weird stupid gag of a perfect setup to make it uh, a spectacular zombie kill.
0: Yeah. And is that the kind of thing you want to see in this show? Is it appropriate for a show like The Walking Dead?
1: Uh, If you want to make the show funnier in a particular half of season, half a season, yes. I mean, this was the target idea behind this half of the season is to give us a little bit of levity. This is a zombie-killing gag.
0: Yeah, it, to me, it just felt, well, yes, kind of fun to watch. Sure, it looked cool. I'm not sure this is the kind of thing I want to see on this show. It was just too ridiculous. And to me, it felt like they were just trying a little too hard to come up with new and inventive ways to kill zombies. And just what they came up with was this action set piece that involved, you know, clotheslining lining zombies between two cars. But to me, it was ridiculous because I just feel like it would never work. You know, first of all, they both were able to hotwire the cars, as you said, which seemed too easy and too convenient. They both had oh, gas after, in them. after
1: years of going in the zombie apocalypse, I just accepted that they could hotwire
0: uh, two cars from the 80s. Like, okay, maybe, you know, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe well, I, it's easier than you think than I think.
1: Well, okay. So yeah, that's the other thing is that, uh, part of the perfect setup is that these two cars are completely
0: easily hot-wireable. Yeah.
1: But you're right. If they used
0: a Ford Focus, they'd be screwed. After, after this long in the zombie apocalypse, sure, maybe a skill everyone learns is how to hot-wire cars because cars are so valuable. Anyways, if you can get past that, then they're able to drive at full speed, down this highway with this cable, keeping it tight without, you know, um, and, and having the cable hit zombies with causing some resistance without the cars bending, coming together at all. Yeah. You got to disregard physics. Yeah. Well, this is what I'm talking about, Jason. You have (laughs) to disregard physics and The Walking Dead has had that problem from time to time over the years, right? Where physics just don't seem to apply. Oh, you remember when the van fell off the, the roof and just completely magically flipped over and landed on its wheels? Is, that's a, a great example, right? That's another time this happened. And I'm not against, you know, uh, a little bit of liberty, taking a little bit of liberty with the laws of physics. Why not? Zombies exist in this show, for crying out loud. So physics can be a little wibbly wobbly. But sometimes I just feel like it's a little too much. So I don't know. Again, exciting to watch and maybe that's enough, but absolutely ridiculous in terms of what, you know, should have happened in this scene.
1: Yeah, it was absolutely, it was ridiculous, but on some kind of weird uh, zombie mall level or uh, what was it called? What'd you call it? Dead Rising. Dead Rising. I can never remember the name of that video game. Yep. Uh, on that kind of level, I, I kind of enjoyed it. I thought it was, uh, it was an interesting little, well, not really interesting, but a, you know, a fanciful little fun set piece. It was fun. Gag. All right. I, I, in this show, with the way you, when you put it that way, it absolutely does not belong in this show. It belongs in a
0: dead rising television show, which they should make. By yeah. By the way. Yeah. They I should. think that would be awesome. I mean, Zombieland was the closest thing, which was a movie, of course, but that was the closest thing to like a Dead Rising, right? Zombie comedy, basically. So you get Ash
1: versus the Evil Dead, uh, mixed with uh, Dead Rising, and you make
0: yourself a television show. <laughs> and away you go. There you go. Well, let's let's move on from this. Basically, what happens is they they slice the zombies in half, jump out of their car, and Rick is almost overwhelmed by zombies, but him and Michonne managed to jump into the van with everybody else and drive away safely. Oh, there's one other thing I just noticed. Okay. That there's one shot
1: of uh, the cable slicing a bunch of zombies and there's uh, blood on the camera, It's the, which we, we both dislike.
0: Yeah, you're this right. Show. It's the cable shot. It's like the cable's yeah. view of what's going on, right? Yeah. There's gore all over the front of the camera. There's no camera on the cable. <laughs> no, but sometimes you can get phantom camera shots like this, and it's okay. Yes, but the, with blood all over them. Yeah, but see, this this one I think is a little bit more appropriate. If you're going to do something like this, fine. We can have a we can have a shot from the cables' perspective. It's the ones where somebody gets shot and the splatter oh, yeah. goes onto the camera, right? I feel like that's different for some reason. Uh but back in the cars, they're driving away. Uh, Rick is a little concerned that they cut it too close. He thinks it was a close call and Michonne comforts him and says they made it and he can smile and she whispers to him, we're the ones who live.
1: Yes, we are. So
0: we'll be And then there's an explosion. And then there's the explosion behind them with the big fireball. What exploded? Well, I guess they left something to blow up. There must've been a piece of dynamite that they didn't take. Why did it explode? I don't know. Oh, there was. Rosita said, told Tara at one point, I think, don't take that one. I don't like the looks of it. And she left it there. Why did it explode? I don't know, but it did.
1: Yeah, I got two separate and distinct problems with that. (laughs) One is the explosion wasn't on the side of the road, and it wasn't far enough back to where the cars started. It was on the cars themselves when uh, the ones that uh, Michonne and Rick were driving. Uh Uh-huh. Because they were just driving away and there was no, uh, it it was like, they were driving towards, uh, like away from the zombie herd towards where the cars originated from. And they weren't there yet when the cars, something exploded on the road. So they must have left... Uh, dynamite on the cable itself and it didn't blow up while slicing through the zombies but did blow up later even though there was no electrical source to trigger it (laughs) and it was a fireball when it should have been a concussive (laughs) instead of incendiary well Way to overthink it. <laughs> <laughs> but it bothered me right when I first saw it. As soon as I saw it, I just, all this shit came to my head. It's like, whoa, that's, there's so much wrong with that. Okay. Well, I think that, um, I It's think- like putting me- Mentos inside Diet Coke bottle and it exploding in a fireball. It's just ridiculous. I mean, sure, there's, you know, Diet Coke flying all over the place and that's, you know, fun in its own way, but it's not going to cause a fireball.
0: No, if it does, that would be pretty dangerous. I don't know, man. I think there was some dynamite left over, whether it was in the right place or not. It obviously exploded somehow. And, you know, they got out of there just in the nick of time. Yeah. And it was fire dynamite, not regular dynamite. (laughs) It was fire dynamite. That's a new thing, I guess. All right. Well, we go to a commercial break. We come back and they are arriving back at Alexandria and they get there just before Simon and all the saviors show up. Um, and there, of course, they're looking for Daryl. Rick plays dumb about even knowing that Daryl has escaped. And, uh, Simon orders his guys to trash the place and search for him and well, figure out yeah. where he is. Simon's awesome. I want him in every
1: show ever.
0: I do. I do like, uh, Steven Ogg quite a bit.
1: I want him to show up in Brooklyn Nine-Nine and New Girl and everything.
0: I want him in absolutely all the shows. All your favorite shows, I guess. Yeah. No, just all the shows. Okay, I want him to them. show up on The Bachelor. Sure. Well, that would be exciting. He'd win that <laughs> for sure. Yeah, totally. So he orders them to, to like search, and these idiots, I mean, they're obviously just destroying stuff for fun, because clearly Daryl is not hiding inside a China cabinet that is getting knocked over. They're just wrecking stuff. They are, and they're not even looking very well. No, they're not.
1: I mean, when the police you know, raided my house, my apartment yeah never, and uh, it wasn't because of anything I did. It was anyway, that's another story, and this didn't happen in the '90s. Uh, when the police I got uh what's the word? you got swatted, swatted. That's right. Somebody called the police and gave used my old phone number and it came up with my address and my name, and the police came to my house and uh, kicked in my door and pointed all their firearms at me with their think they had great uh, trigger discipline. All their fingers, as soon as they, the door opened, there was like six police officers pointing their service weapons at me, but all their fingers were on the side of the trigger, and I noticed that immediately, and I'm like, okay, I'm just going to do what they say, and everything's going to be fine. You that's exactly tell, what
0: happened. You may have told that story on here before, but if not, you should tell the whole thing from start to finish, but that's a good tease. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay, some point, uh, I'll tease that, but
1: when... I was handcuffed lying on the uh, <laughs> oh, just on the away. floor of the, the hallway of my, lo- uh, my lobby in the apartment that Jenny and I were living in at the time. The police went into my apartment and searched it, because they were told that, there, uh, that the, when the, whoever swatted me called 911 with my phone number said that they had just killed their mother and was about to kill their sister. So they're looking for a double murder inside my apartment. And when they went into my apartment, they searched everywhere that a person could fit. They looked in the fridge. They looked in all the closets. They looked under the bed. They searched the whole place. These guys were not looking for a person. They were just opening doors going, nope, nobody in this room, and closed it. They didn't look under the bed. They didn't look in the closet. They didn't look behind the door. Yeah, they were knocking
0: over furniture, basically. It was a ridiculous search. It really was. They're going to open a door and Daryl's going to be lying on the bed going, ah, you caught me. (laughs) I'm just sitting here. I was going to have a nap, but here you are. Yeah. Well, they're destroying stuff for fun. It was sort of silly. Uh, They make their way to the empty pantry, and Aaron says that they've been focusing on finding things that Negan wants, and they've given all their stuff to him. So the saviors leave. Simon basically threatens them as they go- to, you know, make sure that if Daryl does show up, you let us know. And as soon as they're gone, Rick turns around and asks about the food. Aaron and Tobin explain that the pantry was cleared out and it looks like Father Gabe stole the food at night. Right. So they don't know what happened. Commercial break, we come back. They're searching around uh, Alexandria. They find his Bible on the floor and his notebook. And written in the back of the notebook is the word boat. Now. Rick and Aaron immediately think this refers to the boat that they found, and they all wonder, including me, how Father Gabriel knows about that boat, and why, you know, do they immediately think that the word boat refers to the same boat that they found supplies on. Is there anything there? Is it just, oh, boat, we found a boat, it's got to be that boat.
1: Well, okay. So there's two parts of this. There's how does
0: Father Gabriel know to write the word boat? Yes. And
1: two, why did they automatically assume that when they see the word boat that it refers to the boat that they know about? That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So the first one, uh, we'll have to tackle these separately. The first one can be explained if Father Gabriel was coerced by the guy in the car. And he knows that the guy in the car came from the boat or a boat or told Father Gabriel about a boat or whatever. Like there's, there's a causal link there between that guy in the car with the shoelaces
0: and the boat. So that guy in the car coerced him, mentioned a boat or said, you're coming back to my boat or, oh, wait a minute. I think I may have just figured it out. The guy saw Aaron and Rick steal supplies from his boat. Yep. And come, he followed them back to Alexandria. So that person in the boots is just trying to reclaim the stuff that was taken. And he says to Father Gabe, I saw your people steal from my boat. You're going to get it back for me and we're going to drive it back there. And at some point, Father Gabe had an opportunity to write the word boat because that's what he thought was important in his notebook and leave it there as a clue.
1: Right. So that's the most compelling evidence... So far that Father Gabriel was coerced or, uh, you know, forced to take all the food by this guy. Yeah. Okay. So, well, that, that's, that's basically it. I, I now believe
0: in your story, putting that all together. All right. Well, we just had to talk through the whole episode to get, to get to that point. Um, why Rick and Aaron immediately, you know, think of that boat? I guess it's just because there aren't that many boats around and why not?
1: Yeah, there's not too many boats. If you said the word boat to me, like if I said the word boat to you, just if I you found a piece of paper on the
0: on the floor and it said boat, what would you think of? I'd probably think of a boat, no specific boat, except maybe the one or two boats that have been in my life at one point or another. The love boat? Uh yes.
1: <laughs> okay, so that'd be
0: one of them you'd think of the love boat and uh I'd think of the boat my Isaac, grandfather used to own. The bartender. Um But if I had just been at a boat gathering supplies, I'd probably think of that boat. Right. So it kind of makes sense. I would, yeah, I would think of, uh, I'm not sure what I
1: would think of. I have, there's a boat in my backyard, but it's like a tin boat. Right. Uh, Well, you'd probably, you'd probably think of that then. I'd probably think of that. I'd probably go look under that. Yeah. Because it's turned over upside down on, uh, you know, so that the water and snow can, you know, run off the top. All right. Well. Anyway, it's confusing. I guess this is the only boat they've seen. All season? Like that's yeah. probably what they're thinking. We haven't seen any other boats this season, so it must be that boat.
0: Tara saw a boat on the road, remember? And of course Tara ended up by the ocean. So maybe that'll jog her memory too. But that doesn't come Yeah, up but in Father Gabriel doesn't know about that boat. No, he does not know about that. So, anyways, um they have to go after him, of course, but before they leave, we get a scene between Eric and Aaron. Uh Aaron's boyfriend, his name's Eric, right? Pretty sure. Sure. Um, Eric's basically asking him not to leave. It was a little awkward, and I think they're just, to be honest, Jason, I think they're setting up one or both of those guys to be killed off, probably Aaron, sadly, give him a an emotional scene with his boyfriend. I hope that's not the case, because I like the character of Aaron, but why else would that be there? You know, oh. Eric, Eric has not been on the show for, like, years and, uh, suddenly we have this scene saying, please don't go. I don't know. I feel like this whole scene could have been cut out and they would have fit within the hour runtime, <laughs> you know?
1: Yeah. Well, you know, maybe, you know, the, I think you're right that they're probably going to kill off Aaron. If, uh, you know, Aaron was about to retire in a week and he was a police officer, he'd be totally dead. Right. But this is probably
0: enough to, uh, seal his fate. I think you might be right, but it felt awkward shoved in here to me. Anyways, they go and we cut over to the lake. Rick, Aaron, Michonne, Tara, and Rosita uh, are there by the boat and they find footprints. Uh, I guess they follow the tracks to another location. There seems to be some old buildings there, some shipping containers, and what looks to be a crane covered in um, some kind of creeping vine that that has basically totally taken it over.
1: I I was blown away by that. I'm like, where did they find that? Because they didn't have time to make that. It takes years for that kind of vine
0: to grow that tall. it, It doesn't take as long as you'd think, because I used to have a, well, I still have a vine on the back of my house that grows up and we cut it down every year. It grows like crazy in the summer. Yes, to be fair, to cover that whole thing would probably take a couple of seasons, but not as long as you might think. But you're right, but they could have faked it. They could have just covered that thing in an existing vine, couldn't they? Or find a location and like, ah, this is great.
1: Yeah, that's there's true. Kind of, you know, a vine on top of a crane is friggin' great. Let's, let's put our own crane right next to it with a camera on it and film that sucker.
0: Well, next time I'm in Atlanta, I'm going to go and find that location and I'll tell you if there's a crane covered in a vine there. Cool. So they're looking around, um, suddenly. What, I want to talk about the tracks. Okay. Talk about the tracks.
1: Okay. So the track that they showed us was a very deep, a track in the dirt, which probably was made when this was mud a very long time ago. Okay. Because it was dry. Yeah. And it wasn't just, you know, they were all walking around there. There's like six people or whatever walking around there. They all didn't make tracks like this. Like Rick just walked away from this track and he did not make anywhere near this kind of track. So this track was made when this whole thing was wet and nothing, nothing was wet. And Gabriel left last night. So my tracking ability, which sucks, all I got was one shot of
0: this, tells me that that's not Father Gabriel's track. That's just a boot print in the dirt. So you think that they are, they may not even be on his tail at all. They're in the wrong no, place at I the wrong time. No, I think that it's
1: absolutely ridiculous for them to think that that's Father Gabriel's track. And they're probably following Father Gabriel's track, but that's... That's ridiculous.
0: But the, it's ridiculous. The one they shot, the one they showed. Okay, well, uh, you, that's, you know, now that you put it that way, I, I can totally, I feel that too. I mean, it does seem a little crazy, but I think they probably are following Father Gabriel Yeah. in any case. Um, well, they're over by this, uh, this uh, vine-covered crane, and uh, they're looking around. Suddenly, they hear a noise and are almost immediately surrounded by a lot of people who with weapons nice to me it seemed like it was mostly women but not entirely so I thought at first maybe this is the uh riverside or oceanside um group and if it is they've let some men join the group but I don't think it is so I don't know who this group is I agree with you the camera pushes tight in on Rick's face and he gives us his big Rick Grimes smile cut to black and the episode's over
1: that's the first thing I thought of. Well, the, well, two things I thought of. One, I thought it was the Riverside people as well. I'm like, okay, there's men here. Ocean. Ocean side, whatever. And they would uh, uh, they would say hi to Tara at that point. would be like, hey, Tara, how's it going? What are you, what's going on here? Well, maybe we, that's- can we just cap- uh, capture you and you escaped or something?
0: Yeah. Maybe that's going to happen at the beginning of the next episode. I don't know, but I don't think it's them. I don't. Think no, it's them. I
1: didn't. I don't think it's them either, because I saw the man, and I'm like, yeah, they don't seem to recognize Tara, and there seems to be men here, so I don't think it's the, that group. And the next thought I thought of was, holy shit, these people have weapons. This is exactly what they're looking for. All I have to do is talk their way out of this shit, and they're golden. Is that what the smile was about,
0: Rick? Realizing Absolutely. that? Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Yes, he's uh, he's like, okay, I, you know, we're not a threat to these people, so we're just gonna let them know what we're doing, what's going on. They probably know about uh, Negan uh, and they got all kinds of weapons. This is exactly what we've been looking for.
0: Yeah, this is exactly what we need. So, I mean, they're not there yet because Rick still has to get them out of this touchy situation, but I guess he feels like that can't be that hard. We're just, we're not a threat. Like you said, we're just going to explain what's going on. And now we have the people we need. We don't need the kingdom anymore. Those guys can... you know, sit around on their asses all day. Look at these people, so.
1: And the fact that they walked up to them and threatened them with, uh, with weapons means that they're reasonable. Or like, not afraid, you know. Yeah, because if they were unreasonable crazies that were just out for, you know, killing,
0: they would have just killed them. That's true. That's true. Now, on the other hand, this is an apparently another new group we've been introduced here. We have a lot of different communities going on in the show right now. I feel like that's a lot, but I guess it's okay because really what we have is three or four communities that are banding together against another one. So, you know, it might not be sort of as bad or as confusing as I think trying to follow all these different groups because really it's going to be two sides. So we'll have to see. And the
1: last thing I wanted to say about this is there's one person in particular in this group of people that's holding an assault rifle of some kind, but he's got a mask on and a hoodie and gloves. Like he's obviously trying to protect his identity. So I don't think they're protecting his identity from anybody but us. So who is that? So you think it's somebody we know already. I think
0: it's somebody we know. Okay. Well, you've, you've intrigued me, Jason. I didn't think of that, but now I must know who it is.
1: Is the only person covering his face. Like, there's other people wearing like uh, scarves around their neck and stuff, but you can still see their eyes and their nose and the top of their mouths. But there's, it just seems to be one person that has, uh, you know, complete face covering. And why would you do that in, uh, well, it's not
0: Georgia anymore, I guess, but it is Georgia and it's hot. Well, Uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's uh, Washington. But, but I mean, maybe, maybe he's their Jesus. He or she is their Jesus, like their spy, their ninja. Likes to, right. likes to stay incognito. I don't know. Of course. Anyway,
1: I just, I wonder why they're doing that. And I think they're doing that to hide that person's identity from us.
0: Well, that'll be fun. That'll be a, a reveal. That'll be a f- exciting reveal next week, maybe. It's probably Carol. <laughs> God, I, I hope not. <laughs> That'd just be weird. Yeah. All right. So there you go. Season seven, episode nine, the mid-season premiere. I must admit, Jason, I thought this was a pretty weak premiere episode, but I still didn't hate it. You know, it kind of did what it had to do, in my opinion. I thought there was a lot of traveling, a lot of walking and talking, um, but you know that we had to have all these these introductions coming of Rick talking to Gregory and Rick meeting King Ezekiel and and all this stuff. So I feel like they kind of got that out of the way all at once here, and I'm sort of okay with that. They did get all that out of the way. They did give us uh, a group
1: of cohesive heroes that were doing stuff to further their own goals as a collective instead of just being, uh, you know, completely destroyed individuals. Yeah. And we did get uh, a little bit of levity. We got a joke. We got a gag. We got uh, ridiculous footprints in the dirt. (laughs) Uh, We got, yeah, we got explosions that didn't make any sense. Uh, so, yeah, I would agree with you that this is a pretty weak episode.
0: Pretty, pretty weak. And, you know, it's, I just don't feel like it was written all that well. You know, we had Rick tell this story about the rock in the road. And then that's exactly what happens to them on the way back. They encounter cars in the road that are blocking their way and they have to do something about it. And then the reward for doing it is the dynamite, right? It's like, it just was like, God, you didn't need Rick telling that story. It just felt too sort of. I don't know, what's the word, Uh, coincidental or something, I don't know. Yeah, serendipitous. Serendipitous, exactly. So, not great. Daryl had a lot of sort of bad one-liner type things, and uh, uh, the the line he said to Gregory, I I remember now, is, you know, you're either with us or you ain't. It's like, yeah, thanks. Does that (laughs) add anything to the conversation? No. It's just because we need Daryl to say a line, so. I'll say that in your meeting this week, too. I mean, just yeah. spew it out there. No matter what somebody's saying, just say, well, you're with us or you're right. <laughs> That's right. I'll try it. I don't know what will happen. You never <laughs> be know. Like, what, do you, what do you mean? What a,
1: what a jerk. I wonder what he means.
0: <laughs> uh, probably somebody in the room will be a Walking Dead fan and be like, oh, I get it. Hey. There you go. So anyways, week, episode, but I'm glad they got all this stuff out of the way. And maybe, you know, we can get down to business uh, next week with episode 10. So yeah. All right, Jason, it's time to take a short break. Uh, When we come back, we will be reading some Holy Crap Did You See That moments. Stay with us. Jason, what's the one thing that is missing when you watch The Walking Dead, in your opinion?
1: Well, tonight, absolutely nothing. I'm watching the, uh, the episode while uh, drinking a nice glass of wine.
0: Well, that sounds good. This episode is brought to you by Gatto Negro Wines, and it is obviously the perfect wine pairing for The Walking Dead. Enjoy one of Gatto Negro's wines while you watch all of Season 7. Choose one to start with this week. By following Gatto Negro at Instagram.com slash Negro Wine or on Twitter at Gatto Negro Wines. You know, I went and bought some
1: today just to have while uh, we were doing this podcast. And I'm not a wine guy. So this is the first time I bought wine in months, if not years. My wife usually buys the wine when we need wine. And I bought this uh, nice bottle of wine today at the LCBO. And uh, uh,
0: I'm delighted. That is fantastic. So you can have it every week when you watch The Walking Dead. I will. Sip the terror of your favorite TV series with at Gato Negro Wines. Gato Negro, adored everywhere. before we continue I want to thank our new Patreon supporters. We've got a number of people this week to thank, including Kelly M from Sweetwater, Tennessee for a very generous subscription on Patreon. Now, Kelly didn't want to do a specific shout out to anyone. So, as we've done in the past, I decided I want to uh send a shout out to, you know, the hometown of Sweetwater. Which is the home of the lost sea, which is America's largest underground lake really yeah it sounds pretty cool I'd look I'd like to go check that out
1: <laughs> can you can you I guess there's not much to look at
0: well I don't know there's got to be something there I'm pretty sure it's a tourist attraction so Sweetwater, Tennessee. (laughs) (laughs) You see, you see this dirt right here? There's a lake under there. Yeah. It's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) I'd like to see that actually. That'd be fun. That would be very cool. Uh, we also want to uh, send a big thank you out to Sherry N from Tucson, Arizona. Again, no specific shout out. So I'll just say go Wildcats.
1: Wildcats is some kind of sports organization in Tucson?
0: Yeah. It's the, I believe it's the University of Arizona Wildcats. Big, big deal down there. Nice. Also want to thank uh, Michael, and Michael wants to shout out, says, he says, please tell my sister Elkie, who is a regular here as well, I'm very proud of her, and a big hug to my Monday night walking partner, Andrea, who is a very badass woman. Nice. Now, I just realized that there are three people's names in there, and I, it's possible that I mispronounced all of them, because <laughs> Michael has a uh, slightly unusual spelling to his name, Michael Mc... Kl, I'm not sure. And then elki it could be something else. El- Elka, I apologize if that's wrong. And Andrea, you never know. Sometimes it's Andrea. So Andrea, I hope and you- I got at least one of those names correctly. Did, I apologize. Did you get Michael right? Well, I'm, I'm not sure. I just said it's, a, it's an unusual spelling. So uh, anyways, I hope I didn't destroy that entirely, but thank you so much for your support on Patreon. Uh, and finally, a thank you out to Tommy E and... Um, Another name I'm going to struggle with, Thice B in Shinveld, the Netherlands. <laughs> so there you go. Thank you so much to everyone who supports us on Patreon. If you want to do that, you can visit patreon.com thetalkingdead the talking dead. Holy crap. Did you see that? All right, Jason, a quick holy crap. Did you see that segment this week? I think our first one here comes from Zach in Bulls Gap, Tennessee. longtime listener.
1: Mm-hmm. Zach
0: writes, holy crap. Did you guys see Rick and Michonne driving the cars with the cable between them, mowing down all those zombies? Gotta say, it's probably the most far-fetched, unrealistic, Z Nation-esque thing I've seen on this show. But I really loved it at the same time. Glad we got a bit of Walker action in this episode. I, I agree. Yeah, it's ridiculous, but it was sort of fun. Another longtime listener, Gemma in South Wales. My holy crap moment was the Rick and Michonne Walker Annihilation. It was awesome. They must have taken out hundreds of walkers with a wire and two cars. It was a bit implausible that they would hotwire both cars at the same time, and they both had gas in them to run, but it still looked awesome. Exactly. People picking up on the same sort of things here, but no one seems to mind that much. Uh, One more here. And uh, you're going to really identify with this one, Jason. Paul in England writes, holy crap, did you see when The Walking Dead briefly became a level on the video game Dead Rising? Nice. (laughs) Everybody agrees with me. Hundreds of zombies mowed down in seconds. I hope that Rick and Michonne use their experience points to upgrade to some cool shit afterwards. They really should. (laughs) That's right. That's very creative use of the tools that are at your disposal in any given moment.
1: There's a new Dead Rising game out, I think.
0: Really? There was Dead Rising like one, two, and three. I don't know if there's-
1: I think there's a four. I think
0: there's a Dead Rising four, and I think you should buy an Xbox One and play it. Oh my God, man, I will. I still have to finish The Last of Us because, really quick aside here, do you know what the most common feedback I got from listeners after we talked about The Last of Us on the last episode? You're a shithead. Play the whole game. Pretty much. (laughs) They were nicer than that, but they, they're all, they're all like, let us know what you think when it's done. Um, and, uh, I intend on doing that. So Jason, don't let me not do that. Make sure I finish the game and talk about it. Okay. I'm not letting you not do that right now. Perfect. That's what I need you here for. Uh, moving right along, Frank on the internet writes, holy crap, did you see the whole damn episode? I love seeing them get their shit together. Even though it is kind of formulaic and you know what's coming, it's still a lot of fun riding along for the story. Yep. And I agree with that, except that this episode was a bit of a transition, get all this talky talk, introductory stuff out of the way so that we can move on into the real meat you know, for the next, uh, seven episodes. And I am glad that they didn't drag this out too much. You know, it it's was, true. it was, yeah, I can say that at least. Good. Uh, Noop J in Dallas. Holy crap. I loved hearing King Ezekiel quoting Dr. Martin Luther King's speech. It gave me the chills. And I'm not sure which bit of dialogue was a quote from the speech. And I feel stupid for saying that, but, uh, Noop Jay let us know, or if anyone else picked up on that as well, Um, let us know which quote of his was, uh, from Martin Luther King.
1: I'm not going to say anything so that I don't seem stupid as well. (laughs) Very good. Best
0: to just keep your mouth shut. (laughs) That's right.
1: So if you, if you keep your mouth shut, people may think you're an idiot or you could talk and people will
0: know you're an idiot. Right. Best, uh, you, you are smarter than I am. (laughs) A friend of the show, Adam in Texas writes in, holy crap, did you see Rick's silly little grin right at the end? end love it best way to end an episode he obviously knows something or has an idea or has effectively found the numbers he needs to make this thing work nice i think you are right on the head there adam james in pittsburgh pennsylvania holy crap gregory every time he's on screen i wish for his death (laughs) (laughs) Uh, that should have been more like holy crap gregory every time he's on screen i wish for his death yes (laughs) yes <laughs> and uh yeah he's super annoying and just ridiculous and you're right he's not going to be in charge for very long i don't think um another adam from our facebook page writes holy crap did you hear morgan say that carol was shot but just a graze i suppose for badass carol being shot three or four times it is considered just a graze <laughs> you <laughs> yep. know? she was shot a few times and uh Was, was Morgan lying on purpose in that scene to sort of downplay the seriousness of her injury? I mean, she was in a wheelchair for a while.
1: Yeah. But, you know, if you, uh, if you stub your toe real hard, you don't want to walk around all that time, all that, all the whole bunch. So, you know, wheelchair might be okay. You know, even though it's just stubbing your toe. Yeah, I know. If you break your toe, you know, you get a, it's tough. So, you know, I don't know if he was necessarily downplaying it because this world is, uh, different. In the real world, injuries heal faster. They do. Uh, so getting shot, you know, through the lung probably just means that they're grazed, you know. Uh, you know, it, it nicked my heart. So, you know, it's nothing. I can, I can walk it off.
0: It's not so bad. Just nicked my heart. Yeah. It just nicked it. Yeah. So two shots to the leg. I mean, that's barely an injury in this universe. Yeah. That's just, that's just an appendage. Okay. Makes sense. Why not? She's got two legs. Uh, yeah. She doesn't need one. She's got another one. Can spare one mark also on our facebook page wrote holy crap jesus forgot to mention there was a tiger why does everyone forget the tiger it'd be the first thing i think of when i hear ezekiel it's cgi (laughs) they can't see it Ah, they can't see it (laughs) that's why they always forget oh yeah that was a funny scene though when they all walk in and jesus turns around at one moment and goes oh i forgot to mention there's a tiger rick's like yeah there's a tiger yeah so uh, more comedy levity my friend yeah comedy i'm okay with comedy i love levity i just don't like cars driving down highways with wires and you know stuff like that yeah even though i did sort of like it i'm all over the place and finally david on the internet writes this he says my holy crap moment this week has nothing to do with the walking dead jason it's about okay. your last episode where Jason pretty much admitted that he had a sex tape. <laughs> but I don't I know if didn't you want I don't specifically know. explicitly admit. I don't I know it was just,
1: you know, I'm just talking.
0: I don't know if you want to admit to anything or acknowledge anything that has been said or not said, but David picked up on something.
1: I didn't well, I said some things. I did some things. Some of it may have been true. Some of it not so true. Maybe some
0: of it was just to make a point. Yeah, because you've never said anything before that's not true, just to make a point. That's true. <laughs> Wait a minute. Now I have now I can't follow the conversation anymore. <laughs> uh, I've lost it. All right. Well, thank you, David. And thank you to everyone for writing in your holy crap moments. Uh, if you want to send those in, you can do talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com and uh, send them in. The more, the better. You know, we'll throw them all up on the show here if we can. And I think that is going to wrap it up for this week. Um, I want to remind everyone that I am coming over to London, England for Walker Stalker Con at the beginning of March. I will actually be in the UK starting on March 1st. Walker Stalker Con is that weekend, which is 3rd and 4th, I think. 3rd or 4th and 5th, something like that. Saturday, Sunday, anyways. And uh, if you are going to be there, I definitely want to meet up. And say hi and hang out because I want to meet and, lots of listeners. I feel like we have a really strong listener base in the UK. And uh, if you're there or if you're anywhere nearby, let's hang out. It's going to be fun.
1: Yeah. Chris wants to meet you and stay at
0: your house. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to need somewhere to crash. And uh, every <laughs> night I don't mind moving. You know, I can, I, I don't take up a lot of space. You know, it's <laughs> fine. Um, that's not true. I do have somewhere to stay. Okay, good. <laughs> but I do want to meet everyone. Everyone. I think I'm going to be moderating a panel or two, so, uh, you know, when I have that 100% confirmed, I will let you know here so that you can come to the panel. It's an easy way to find me. It'll be good, man. Uh, unfortunately, you aren't coming, Jason, so it'll just be me. No. Sad, really. Maybe I'll take a picture with y- of you with me and walk around with it hanging around my neck and... We can pose, the three of us, or you, That'd me, nice. and like listeners together.
1: Too bad we don't have time to get uh, a life-size cardboard cutout of me that you could carry around for posing with pictures. A ham-up. I
0: used ham-up? Is I, that what they're called? Well, I I used to work with a guy who uh, um, called those things ham-ups. So yeah, life-size cardboard cutout of people, it's a ham-up. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyways, we sh- we'll look into get- getting that done, but you're right, probably won't happen. But I will be there at Walker Stalker Con, so if you're around, say hi. It would be great to get together and meet some of you for the first time. All right. Um, In the meantime, though, if you want to get in touch with us, you can find all of our episodes at TalkingDeadPodcast.com. That's the website. You can also go there and click on Send Voicemail to record a message that will get sent straight to us. If you would like to find us on Twitter, follow us at Talking Dead or visit us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash The Talking Dead. And uh, as I said before, you can send emails to Talking Dead at gmail.com. Don't forget, this episode was brought to you by Gatto Negro Wines. You can follow them at Gatto Negro Wines on Twitter. Or check them out on Instagram at Gato Negro Wine. Sip the terror of your favorite TV series with at Gato Negro Wines. Gato Negro, adored everywhere. Until next time, everyone, my name is Chris. And my name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Bye.